cut you off whenever they want. Valerie Jarrett, who is former President Barack Obama's senior advisor, responding on CBS This Morning. I think that the commission made a decision based on science, and President Trump's reaction is yet another example of him ignoring what's in the best interest of the people he's around, putting people at risk. Last night, the coronavirus took front and center at the first and only vice presidential debate between Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris. The American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. From the very first day, President Donald Trump has put the health of America first. Louisiana braces for the 25th main storm of the Atlantic hurricane season. CBS News meteorologist David Parkinson has a timeline for Hurricane Delta. We are looking at a landfall time in the late afternoon, early evening hours for Louisiana on Friday. And then it's going to move fairly quickly inland as well. New Orleans is under a state of emergency. American poet Louise Glick has won the 2020 Nobel Prize in Literature. The 77-year-old made her debut in 1968 with her collection Firstborn and was quickly proclaimed one of the most prominent contemporary American poets. Mats Malm of the Swedish Academy announced Louise Glick had won the award for her unmistakable poetic voice that with austere beauty makes individual existence universal. Glick is currently writer-in-residence at Yale University. Elaine Cobb, CBS News. Prince William doing his part to honor the environment. He's joined forces with renowned British broadcaster and naturalist David Attenborough to launch a new environmental prize they hope will drive a decade of change. Prince William explains his part. This is me kind of putting my stamp on what I can do in my position to really galvanize and increase the interest and tackle some of these issues to really drive a decade of change to repair the planet. The Los Angeles Lakers will pay tribute to Kobe Bryant in Game 5 of the NBA Finals by wearing black Mamba jerseys. The team had initially planned to wear them only twice in the Finals for Game 2 and a possible Game 7. But since they lead the series 3-1, to one, they decided to bump up that date. The Lakers have been wearing a patch with his initials KB on their jerseys since his death in January. This is CBS News. These days, better nutrition and stronger immunity are essential. That's why Eggland's Best gives you and your family more, so we can all be at our very best. Only Eggland's Best. I'm Dr. Stork. Today, better nutrition and stronger immunity are essential. That's why Eggland's Best gives you and your family more. Compared to ordinary eggs, Eggland's Best provides six times more vitamin D, 10 times more vitamin E, and 38% more lutein, plus more folate and iodine too all to help you maintain a strong immune system and better overall health. These are no ordinary times, so why choose an ordinary egg? Only Eggland's Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Don't you love that feeling when you've just nailed your look? That's how it feels to use Stitch Fix, your personal styling service that delivers handpicked clothes right to you. Stitch Fix is simple and convenient. Sign up in just a few minutes, and you can try out new styles right at home. And there's no subscription required, ever. So, isn't it time you started nailing your look? Get started today at stitchfix.com. Stitch Fix, personal styling for everybody. A dinosaur fossil named Stan sells for millions. How much is that T-Rex in the window? The answer 
is almost $32 million. An anonymous bidder has smashed sales records, purchasing a 13-feet-high, 40-foot-long dinosaur fossil named Stan at auction at Christie's in New York. The creature from the late Cretaceous period went for quadruple the estimate high of $8 million. Stan is getting credit for attracting interest in the Impressionist and Modern Art up for auction, which brought in more than $300 million. He'll be on display in Christie's window at Rockefeller Center for two more weeks. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Another retailer jumping on the holiday sale bandwagon during the pandemic, Sam's Club says they're expanding their normal one-day sales. This year, each sale, which includes one in November and another in December, will each last nine days. The Black Friday sale will also be longer at ten days instead of four. Lisa Mateo, CBS News. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because it takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-721-4880. That's 800-721-4880. 800-721-4880. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials or price could vary depending on your health issue and company and other factors. Not available in all states. At Century National Bank, we believe strong communities are built with local volunteers, donations, and leadership. Last year, we supported 301 local organizations and donated more than $393,000 to our local communities. Our bankers care about helping our entire community thrive and prosper. Century National Bank is committed to investing money locally and doing everything in our power to support the people and groups in our neighborhoods. Century National Bank, Division of the Park National Bank, member FDIC, CenturyNationalBank.com. Introducing Donato's Cauliflower Crust Pizza. Donato's Cauliflower Crust Pizza has 30% fewer carbs than the brand's thin crust, and you can choose from three signature 10-inch pies, including cauliflower heat with pepper jack cheese, jalapenos, fresh red pepper, and plant-based sausage. With a cauliflower garden with green pepper... CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Fairhope celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or, during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's care from the heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Fairhope Hospice, we celebrate life. 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM.
yes, it's Alzheimer's. It's kind of a lousy joke. I should not have done that. Anyway, we're going to learn about uh, Alzheimer's and dementia and all sorts of things. And uh, she represents uh, our county and others with the Greater Cincinnati Alzheimer's Association. 37 counties uh, just in southern Ohio. Uh, they represent out of that office. And uh, Melissa, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. And um, thank you. Let's see here. I, you know, I just jotted down a whole number of things. Been talking with um, different people socially at different like dinners and stuff the last week or two, telling them that this show was coming up, and there's a lot of interest. And. Right. Um, you know, I'm just, first of all, what is your personal role with the Alzheimer's Association? So my role, I am the uh, director of the Southeastern Ohio branch, and uh, I am a licensed social worker as well. Now, you know, the, I, I mentioned a moment ago, 37 counties in southern Ohio, or southeastern Ohio, um, under the Cincinnati Association's uh, guidance. Uh, how many are you responsible for? I am responsible for 18. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so me and uh, my staff cover 18 counties in southeastern Ohio. So that's a lot considering that we're so rural and spread out. Well, sure. And And do you do that from Cincinnati or do you have another location? We actually have a physical office in Jackson, Ohio, so in Jackson County. Okay. Um, and then um, I reside in Benton County, right next door there to Athens. Sure. And uh, right now we're working from home because of, of COVID and oh, yeah. um, all of those issues. Yeah. So normally we're out and about traveling a lot to all of these counties, but right now we're, we're not because we certainly don't want to put anybody you know, at risk because we do work with a frail and fragile population often. Of course. We have a staffer who just the uh, day before yesterday uh, suddenly had a hundred and 100.7 temperature. Wow. So uh, he's wow. uh, uh, pulled out of the operation for a while till they figure out what's going on. You know what I mean? So, yes. Well, let's hope it's not COVID. That's, that's right. Well, I'm going to ask some really simple and, and um, well, never mind. I'm just going to ask questions. What is Alzheimer's? So, um, one thing that I always like to define with folks, because a lot of people will use the term dementia and Alzheimer's interchangeably, and many don't know, you know, is there a difference and what is the difference? Well, I'm told there is, and and my second question was going to be, what is dementia? But you you do it your way. Okay, so um, Alzheimer's disease is a very uh, slow onset, very slow in its progression, Um, and it is actually caused by the abnormal buildup of beta amyloid protein and tau protein in the brain. And we all have beta amyloid and tau protein in our brain, but when you and I go to bed at night, we kind of have a sweeping mechanism that comes along and sweeps out that extra beta amyloid and tau. People with Alzheimer's disease, that is not happening and that's how they, they develop this excess buildup, which then leads to all the nerve cell death 
um, that we see in the brain, which causes all of the issues and deterioration in the brain that we see. Now, so that's kind of Alzheimer's disease in a nutshell. These two proteins, um, mm-hmm. how are they acquired? I mean, are there certain foods that uh, are rich in them or something like that? At this, at this point, um, you know, research hasn't drilled down and um, found anything like that. But okay. on the flip side, research has found that, you know, by eating, um, you know, foods that are very, you know, high in fat, processed, unhealthy, not eating clean, does increase our risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So, you know, I guess kind of, yes, they're saying that, but they haven't directly correlated that. But we do know that it does play a role in developing the disease. And, and I guess kind of our problem is that we haven't been able to figure out why in some people, why are they triggered to have this excess buildup of these proteins? And that's really what research is, you know, trying to figure out. So Alzheimer's. Now, what about dementia? So dementia is really just an umbrella term that's used to describe a variety of conditions that cause cognitive impairment. So Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. So there are many types of dementia. Um, we would never even be able to cover them all in, in the show. Um, okay. So when, when somebody has a diagnosis of dementia, which unfortunately is what a lot of people do receive in our area, um, it's dementia unspecified. So really that just means that, you know, the physician, you know, has discovered cognitive impairment, but they're not really telling you the why. They're not telling you the type of dementia. So it's like telling somebody they have cancer, but you don't tell them what kind of cancer it is. I, um, I remember years ago, my Aunt Harriet um, was uh, in her 90s. And mm-hmm. uh, her kids were, you know, my, I used the term Alzheimer's. And very quickly, uh, my cousins corrected me and said, no, dementia. Now, yes. um, so the distinction, uh, the dis, uh, you know, what are some of the things that one can experience through Alzheimer's that they wouldn't through dementia? Okay. So, <clears throat> I mean... I if guess you, basically, have, what's the difference? You right. Know? So we have. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you some of the more common types sure. of sure. dementia, including Alzheimer's. So um, Alzheimer's is the most common. The second most common is vascular dementia. So these are people that have had some kind of cerebrovascular insufficiency, meaning they've had many stroke, a major stroke or they've had blockages in their arteries for years and it has reduced the blood flow and oxygen to the brain, resulting in a dementia. So people with vascular dementia, it can be a very sudden onset where Alzheimer's is not sudden, it's very slow in its progression. But you know, if you've had a stroke or a mini stroke overnight, you could wake up the next morning and be very confused, not know where you are, you know, not know who the people are around you. So it can be a more sudden onset. Um, Another difference is that vascular dementia um, progresses in kind of what we call a stepwise course, whereas Alzheimer's disease, it progresses in stages. So let's say that somebody's had a stroke, whatever damage has been done to their brain is done, 
but they may function at that level for the rest of their life. They may never progress on and, and get worse in their dementia um, unless maybe they have another mini stroke or, you know, they had blockages and that wasn't corrected, so they continue to have the, the loss of blood flow and oxygen. So somebody with vascular dementia could appear to be confused and have issues at times, but yet be much more functional than somebody with Alzheimer's disease because they're not progressing like you would expect that person with Alzheimer's disease. Um, then we, uh, we also have a, a dementia called Lewy body dementia, um, and it's kind of a combination of Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's all rolled into one. And uh, you will see the Parkinsonian symptoms. So you will see the, the rigidity, uh, the tremors, all those physical things that we associate with Parkinson's. But then you'll have some of the Alzheimer's pieces coming in. And one of the hallmark signs of Lewy body um, are major hallucinations and delusions. And that's actually what a lot of physicians will use to try to differentiate so folks will, you know, think that they see snakes on the table, bees on the wall, people running out in front of a vehicle that, uh, you know, that they're driving in or being driven in. Um, so, you know, totally seeing things that are that are not, not mm. there. Right. And it's different than what somebody with Alzheimer's disease may see because often people with Alzheimer's, you know, may look out the window and think they see men belling hay because they grew up on a farm when they were young. So really, they're kind of reliving a memory, mm -hmm. you know, so you can see kind of how that's a little different. Um, and somebody with Lewy body dementia typically lives about seven years before the disease takes their life. So it is very fast in its progression, whereas somebody with Alzheimer's disease could live, you know, 20 years if they're healthy otherwise. The... Um um, I, I'm I'm uh, a month away from being 71. Um, I find myself now having more trouble recalling names out of the past, mm -hmm. or um, things like that. Um, right. And in my phone, I have 8,000 contacts, and I put notes down so that if I just have the general term like um, um, engineer um, right. it'll pull everybody that I've put that note next to and then I can say oh yeah Herb Brown that was the guy's name right so right. I use tools to help me with that memory loss that I didn't used to experience right now should I be concerned no we consider that to be normal aging, you know, because our, our brain does age just like the rest of our body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, uh, you know, even younger people um, <laughs> have that issue as well. So, you know, I mean, people that we've, you know, known from our past, but it's not people that we interact with on, on a daily basis. It's very normal that we may not remember their name, especially, you know, when you're in a field like yourself where you work with a lot of different people, it, it's hard to remember everybody's name. Right. Um, and, but yet sometimes they remember yours. Um, and I know I've experienced that myself. I'm like, I know I've worked with that person in the past, but I've worked with so many people. Oh my gosh, I can't remember their name. I know I should. Um, but that's totally normal. It, it's, you know, you need to get concerned when it's everyday people in your life. So people that you've worked with there at the radio station and you work with them now, 
and you can't remember their name, that's when we want to get concerned. But somebody that we went to school with or somebody that we worked with years ago, um, that's not uncommon that we may not remember their name. Well, uh, Ralph's sitting right behind me here in, um, oh, wait a minute. What, 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 what is your name? You were, you were close, <laughs> only one letter off. Go up one letter to S. S. Scott. Yeah, there's Scott. The, that's, Scott. That's the retrieval cue <laughs> okay. for you right there. Yeah, yes. there you go. See, there you go. Okay. <laughs> well, of course, um, this is a serious topic. Yes. And um, that's um, <clears throat> what are some things that you would counsel people to be aware of and that might be some sort of pre-indicator? Okay. So, like we were just talking about, you know, memory issues that, that disrupt your, your daily life. So, you know, you're, you're constantly forgetting appointments, which we've all forgotten appointments from time to time, but you're constantly forgetting doctor's appointments, or, you know, maybe you've went to church on Wednesday night at seven and you've done this for years and now you don't show up because you don't remember it's Wednesday night at seven, or you know you, you find that you can't remember how to operate the microwave or the coffee pot, um, those sorts of things, or people are telling you, you know, you just told me that story, you've told me that story five times today, um, which we've all retold a story because sometimes when we're really excited about yeah, something, sure. we forget who all we told. I mean, I know I've done that myself. Of so, course. But it's when you're constantly doing it or asking the same questions over and over, um, you know, that's, that's when we know that we're having a memory issue because what's going on is the hippocampus of our brain controls our short-term memory. Well, unfortunately, particularly with Alzheimer's disease, it attacks the hippocampus of the brain first. So we don't have a place to store information anymore. So even though we may have understood an event, understood what happened, there's not a place to store that information. So when we go to recall later, there's nothing, there's nothing to pull forward. Um, you know, some people rely, not so much recently, but in the old days, rely heavily on journals, keeping yes. da daily journals. And um, I suspect it helped many of them. You know? Oh yeah. Well, absolutely. Because you could go back and look and see what what yeah. your plan should be for that day. Or sure. listen. Um, so, if someone is concerned, uh, they're they're concerned that they're having some issue of memory loss. Uh, what would you say to them? Um, you know, is, are there particular types of doctors that they should be seeing? Are there particular institutions that are well-known? Um, that yes. sort of thing. Yes. So, I mean, naturally, most people are going to start with their primary. That's the, you know, the first place you're going to go. Um, but what we don't want people to do is stop there because, you know, you and I both know that, you know, a primary doctor is not intended to, to do some kind of deep dive assessment on you, nor do they have the time, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, but what the primary can do is start some tests to rule out any other condition that mimics dementia. So you want to ask for making sure that you don't have problems with your blood sugar, making sure that you don't have a thyroid condition, 
Um, maybe it's a new medication that was added, and now, you know, that's kind of messing with your cognition. Making sure you don't have a B12 deficiency or anything else that could kind of be awry, you know, low potassium. I mean, we could go on. Um, you want to be screened for depression uh, because that mimics dementia, anxiety. Um, and so those are things that your primary physician, especially the labs, can kind of get a jump on because it could be an easy fix. You know, it, we need to, you know, before you just start getting all, you know, uh, really worried, find those things out. Make sure it's nothing else that, that's causing your issue. And then definitely go to either a neurologist. Uh, one of my favorites is a neuropsychologist um, because they look at both, um, you know, the, the body and the brain and behavior and, and see how all of that um, interacts. Um, so their assessments are extremely thorough, and they are usually the people who can drill down and give you that specific diagnosis um, because they are testing the brain. They put you through different challenges, um, have you complete different tasks, and it's you know it can be a two or three hour assessment, but by the end of that, they can say these parts of your brain it's working well, these parts not so much. And it gives them an idea of how your brains are being attacked and what's actually, you know, going on with you. So, you know, neurologists, neuropsychologists, um, psychiatrists can can help in those diagnoses. And we do have specialty centers. So we have um, there are several in Columbus, uh, Cincinnati. Uh, we even have one in um, Huntington, West Virginia. Um, so there are places, you know, all, all over the place. We also have our own Dr. Julie Sewer, um, who is a neuropsychologist and teaches at Ohio University there, and she actually has a clinic um, that her and her students um, do a lot of well, uh, think, neuropsych assessments. And I research. think I've heard about this. Um, yes. Now, <clears throat> the... Um, the Alzheimer's Association of Greater Cincinnati, and, and you're part of that, but you your responsibility is seven or eight counties in our zone. Now, mm -hmm. uh, they really push the fact that they are available 24 hours a day. Yes. They have a, yes. a toll-free phone number. Uh, yes. Their helpline. Um, yes. Can they... If someone is very concerned, they can help put them at ease a little bit, but also direct yeah. them to um, these medical centers or whatever. Um, they're just very helpful, aren't they? Yes, extremely. And, you know, what I love about the 24-hour helpline is, you know, oftentimes caregivers deal with, behaviors and, and scary things at night when everybody else is sleeping and there's right. no help out there. So if it's two o'clock in the morning and your loved one with dementia is trying to wander off and you don't know what to do, you can call that 800 number and there's going to be somebody on there to coach you through that. Yes. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that I, that I love. There's going to be somebody there. They're going to be a social worker like myself um, to help you get through that. And then as you said, they can answer questions about, you know, um, yeah, it, it kind of does seem like maybe there's some things that you should be concerned about, and here's where you can go to get checked out. And then even above and beyond that, um, they will then loop you back to me and my staff 
just to make sure that they're not missing anything locally that we need to tell you about. Now, let's let's move into uh, some uh, statistics or facts, figures, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, folks, uh, in case you tuned in late, uh, our guest today is Melissa Deaver. Uh, Melissa, where, where are you today? Uh, today, I'm actually working from home in Vinton County. Vinton County, okay. Yep. Um, but Melissa is responsible for um, seven or eight counties here in southeastern Ohio with the Alzheimer's Association, uh, which is... Um, uh, from a state point of view, there's two I, or three, I guess, in the state. One mm-hmm. in Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Yeah. And um, our part of the state is out of the Cincinnati office. Which, right. uh, anyway, the point to this is uh, facts and figures. Um, yes. what, what percentage, maybe that's not the right term, but I'll use it anyway, of, of people... Um, end up with either Alzheimer's or dementia? So what we say, it's about 6 out of 10 people. Really? the age of 60, yes. 6 out of 10? 6 out of 10 over the age of 60 will end up with a diagnosis of dementia. Scott, I, I said earlier, I'm almost 71, so I'm... I'm due, huh? Oh, well, let's hope not. Well, let's you know what not, I mean. I, I didn't yeah. say use the right expression, but it, I'm in that category. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, you know, definitely at risk. No no doubt about it. Now, um, is that for either? Uh, was that 6 out of 10? That's scary. Um, yeah, it, was, it is. I, people don't realize, you know, they really don't. So, how prevalent this disease is. Okay, there's there's been, again, from my cousins once, I told this story already, but um, like Alzheimer's seems far more serious than dementia. And they, they made me feel that way. Like, no, she doesn't have Alzheimer's, she has dementia. Um, oh, yes. Did, did, would you agree with that assessment, that it's less of a problem? Uh, no, okay. n- not at all. Um, but you, you're hitting on a, a great topic and an issue, and, and we talk about this all the time, and I've experienced exactly what you experience. In, in people's mind, when they get a diagnosis of dementia, somehow they think that's a softer blow. You know, it, it doesn't mean as much. That's not as bad as Alzheimer's, but they don't realize that it doesn't mean their loved one doesn't have Alzheimer's. It just means nobody thoroughly assessed your loved one enough to be able to tell you what kind of dementia they have. So, you know, really, you're, you're only kidding yourself if if you think that means that they don't have Alzheimer's because more than likely, they probably do. And nobody has, has told you that. And then even furthermore, if you would develop, like we talked earlier, like a Lewy body dementia or a frontotemporal dementia, um, actually, um, your time is much more limited than if you have Alzheimer's disease because those are much more rapid um, in their progression and will take your life much, much sooner. Do, um, does, so it's just... I mean, we're, we all croak at some point, but listen to me, croak. Um, yeah. <laughs> we all pass at some point, but is yes. is Alzheimer's or dementia always a death sentence 
earlier than normal? Uh, typically, yes. However, um, like with Alzheimer's disease, for instance, because it is so slow in its progression through your brain, if you are healthy otherwise, if you have a, a you know a healthy heart mm-hmm. um, and you're in pretty good shape otherwise, you can live a long time with this disease. Um, I mean, my own grandmother died of Alzheimer's disease, but it took 14 years because she was so healthy otherwise, and she truly died of the disease, whereas a lot of people end up passing away of what we call their other comorbidities, other health issues, Mm -hmm. you know, it's their heart that takes them out, or complications from their diabetes, Um, but if you're pretty healthy otherwise, you can live a long time with Alzheimer's disease. Now, some of the other dementias, not so much, um, because they're they're a little faster um, in their progression and deterioration of the brain. In preparing for this show, I came across this list. It says, know the 10 signs. Yes. And um, walk us through some of that. Okay. So the first one that we talked about, of course, was the the memory, um, you know, issues that interfere with daily life. Okay. Um, You know, not being, you know, we we talked about that. Um, And then also, you know, not being able to, do simple tasks and things that you were once able to do, you know, really with no problems. So challenges in planning or solving problems. Mm -hmm. And what we see here, a lot of families will report, you know, somebody who always was big about balancing their checkbook, knowing how much money they had in the bank, always paying their bills, um, which a lot of people in your generation, that's, that was a big thing. Like Mm -hmm. you did not fail on paying your bills. Right. And, so now they notice that, you know, they're, they're getting shutoff notices, the bills aren't paid, their checkbook's a mess, they're overdrawn on their account because they just can't figure that out anymore. And then some people we've seen, even if they can still balance their checkbook, it takes them like all day to balance their checkbook when before, you know, they might have had that done in an hour. Right. Um, so those are some of the things we see there. And then difficulty completing familiar tasks. So, you know, for instance, Maybe somebody who loves to mow the grass, and we've had this happen. They get on the lawnmower, but they can't remember how to engage the blade. Um, or somebody who's always cooked, and they get ready to make their famous apple pie that they didn't even need a recipe for, and they get out the flour for the crust, and that's as far as they get because they can't remember what comes next. So something they've always loved to do, now they're really you know, having a hard time doing that. Mm. Um, Confusion with time or place, so people, you know, sometimes forget how they, where they are, how they even got there. Um, Of course, you know, keeping track of seasons, you know, we'll often have people who are dressed in shorts and flip-flops, and um, it's, you know, it's February. Now, I know we have college students do that at OU. (laughs) I've been known to do (laughs) it. That's normal for them. And I'm a little crazy, too. Um, But, now, okay... Now, there's another expression I saw somewhere, the stages of Alzheimer's. Um, mm-hmm. Are there typically four stages or 17 or two, you know? Well, tip, normally what we say is there are seven stages of Alzheimer's disease. Okay. But what we do when we interact and talk with people, we stick with three. We stick with what we call a mild moderate and severe because really what those seven stages are is mild moderate and severe broken down into more 
detail. So, right, you know, right. whether you're at the early, early stage, mid, early stage, late, early stage, and so on. In the um, case of so, a severe mm-hmm. um, designation, uh, does right. that person uh, require, um, shall we say, full-time assistance? Yes, definitely, because at this point in the in the severe stages or late stages of the disease, you know, the person is usually often mute, not talking at all. Um, they typically are bed-bound, so they can no longer walk um, or, or move without assistance. Um, they're usually incontinent of their bowel and bladder. Um, you know, typically they are even having trouble eating because they're choking and aspirating when they eat. Um, so it's at that point, it's even more than I'm worried about they're going to wander outside or turn on the stove because they don't even have the ability to do that. Um, but they are down to the point that they're losing the most basic functioning of their brain. Um, and, and so it's a, a very uh, deteriorated state. Now, give me a simple example of how Alzheimer's disease is diagnosed. Okay, so typically, uh, you know, you should start out with, like I talked before, having all the labs because we're trying to rule out anything else. Um, You definitely want to have, you know, MRIs, CAT scans, looking at the brain because we want to see, have you had a stroke? Do you have fluid on the brain? Um, Could it be a tumor? So there again, you're, you're ruling out. And so typically, you know, once a physician has went through all of that, and then if they go through like a, a neuropsych assessment to see how your brain is functioning, then they can arrive at the conclusion, okay, I've ruled out anything else, so it's kind of a rule out. I'm ruling out anything else that be, could be causing this issue, and I'm seeing the deterioration and functioning of the brain. And so that's when they eventually arrive at the conclusion, okay, this has to be, you know, Alzheimer's disease, or it could be Lewy body if they're having some, you know, differentiating, differentiating behaviors. Um, but that's usually the process that you go through. Now, um, you know, I've heard of Alzheimer's for many years. Dementia also. Right. And um, it seems to me that there's probably a whole bunch of labs around the nation researching um, maybe not to the same degree as COVID right now but trying to figure out how to cause fewer cases of Alzheimer's now absolutely this research in progress what what you know like six months ago, did somebody say, hey, I found something that could really mean something? Or, I mean, well, just, just uh, give us a, um, a sketch of this whole concept of research in progress. Okay. So, yeah, so they had, back in July, they have what's called the um, AAIC um, conference, and it's really um, the Alzheimer's Um, international conference. So they're having researchers, not just from the United States, but all over the world come together and share their research. And so one of the things that they're working on, and they've been working on for a while, but they needed to to develop it um, further, is being able to see the buildup of um, beta amyloid protein in the brain. 
through testing. So what they have, in fact, been able to do now, and they're actually doing some research around it right now, um, is being able to do what we call a PET scan, and they use a specific injection um, to kind of illuminate the brain, and they are able to see the the buildup of beta amyloid protein in the brain before anybody even shows the first sign or symptom. Mm. And that's really what they're trying to do because the disease attacks your brain 20 years before you show signs and symptoms. Wow. So the thought is, if they know that you have a family history or, you know, you have some risk factors, if they could get in there and find out that you have this, you know, what if they gave you some Alzheimer's medications um, or a medication that they developed that could actually slow the disease? So that's kind of the, the thought behind that. They also have been able to see the buildup of beta amyloid protein in spinal fluid. You now, know, that would require I, I, a I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I'm adopted mm-hmm. and have very little knowledge about my birth parents or birth family uh, medical stuff, right? Right. And, um, you know, I've had some docs that wish we did know this. I've had some docs that said, ah, you're better off not knowing. And, <laughs> you know, right. like, why worry about something just because it happened to somebody in your family? But anyway. Right. Um, but if someone wanted to, they, like, they were severely concerned about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, would you advise them to go to their doc and try to just determine a few of these things? Yes, absolutely, because, you know, the, the thought is this, and, and just kind of what you, you know, alluded to, that, you know, some physicians say, well, you're better off not knowing. But with, and people think that about, of course, Alzheimer's and other types of dementia. Why would I want to know? But the reason you do want to know is because, you can begin to prepare yourself and your family and make plans while you still have a cognitive ability to make you know these decisions because mm. of all my years being a social worker and working with families one of the saddest things to watch is when somebody didn't do that and now they're in the middle stages of the disease and they're beyond making any decisions and then their family is absolutely struggling mm-hmm. to, they may want to make sure that they're making the right decision for mom and dad and you know, would, would mom, uh, you know, there can be I disagreements, mom, would, you know, there can be yeah. disagreements too. Yes. And so they don't know if they're doing what mom and dad really wants them to do because, you know, um, if mom or dad is, is at the point that they don't understand that maybe they need to go to a nursing facility and they're looking at you saying, I can't believe you're doing this to me. But if you had a conversation with them early on and they said, look, if it gets to the point that you can't take care of me, know that it's okay that you put me there if you have to. I mean, just what a great relief you would be giving your family and planning with your money, planning your care. This is what I want you to do. You know, I want you to pay somebody privately or I want to go to adult day or don't you dare hook me up to a feeding tube. You know, you can have all of those discussions and get prepared and that's really the benefit. Let's let's go back to this uh, protein business. Um, mm-hmm. Is if someone is um, showing uh, excessive amounts or unusual amounts of these two proteins, mm-hmm. um, 
is there a way I'm going to say through uh, their diet or or through medication to reduce that stuff? Okay, so they're actually through research working on a medication right now that has been fairly promising um, in reducing uh, or or I guess let me put it this way preventing additional buildup of beta amyloid protein in the brain. So they're doing research, further research, because you've got to go through several trials and steps oh, before yes. they'll ever approve it. Um, but they're looking at that right now. So if we had something like that and you could give it to people, you know, the moment you notice anything, you know, if it at least could prevent them from getting worse, wow, that would be miraculous, um, you know, in and of itself. And then as far as diet, what we know is this, that if you eat a clean diet, you know, like the Mediterranean diet, or they even have a diet called the MIND diet, M-I-N-D, and you can look it up online. But it's basically clean eating, staying away from carbs, staying away from processed foods, eating natural foods, really the way our body was intended, um, that that can help reduce your risk because uh, high blood sugar, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, um, obesity, all of those things increase your risk of developing the disease. So by being able to control those issues and eating healthy, it does reduce your risk. Now, you know, periodically you come across an advertisement or in a, in a drugstore or something like that. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to find the name of something. Okay, here we go. Um, Prevagen. Right. Ginkgo biloba. Um, different things that they claim can help your memory, right? Right. Um, do you hold any faith in those? Not really, because there hasn't been a lot of research, you know, around those. I mean, good scientific research around those uh, treatments to indicate that they are effective. Um, so we, we really, you know, tell people to be very careful about, um, you know, anything making a claim that it's going to improve your memory or, yeah. or going to help you overcome Alzheimer's because there's just not the scientific research to support it at this point. Now, if you talk with your physician and they don't think that, that the, you know, medication or treatment is going to hurt you, then, you oh, know, you're, yeah. you're more than welcome to go for it. But um, just, just be careful about what you what you believe well listen um you know the the alzheimer's association of cincinnati which covers our region um was uh, first founded i guess in 1983 mm -hmm. um you're you never close you're always available for help um yeah. and, and you know when you think of help there's so many you know um, there's someone who says, I have Alzheimer's. I don't know what to do. There's, right. a, there's another component where um, family, caregiving, um, mm -hmm. you know, resources, brain health, community options. Um, you folks have uh, knowledge of a lot of this stuff and want to help. The yes. families and caregivers and so on. Um, yes. And there's a toll-free number, folks. I'm going to give you a few minutes to get a piece of paper and a pencil. 
but uh, this is a helpline. It's there 24 7. 365 this year, 366 days a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so um, maybe uh, it's simply this 1 800 272 3900. 1-800-272-3900. And um, now let's, let's talk a little bit about um, community participation. You have events mm-hmm. that um, uh, bring Alzheimer's patients and caregivers and people that have had it in their families so they want to be supportive to others um, together. Like there's the, the walk, right? Right, yes. Yep. Now, tell yep, us so, tell us about that. Okay. So the walk was just see last weekend. Okay. And uh, of course, of course, it couldn't be in person because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had the um, the promise garden um, set up right there in front of the community center in Athens. And so there are different colors of pinwheel flowers that represent those with the disease, those who care for folks with the disease, those who have someone who's passed away from the disease, Um, and then uh, those who uh, are involved in the walk just kind of hold their own little walk with their team and walk around their neighborhood or local park, Um, and so folks can still get involved in that. Actually, it it goes all the way through December 31st, Um, so if folks want to do that, they can still sign up, and uh, they can go to alz.org backslash Cincinnati to sign up, or they could call that 1-800 number and they would put you directly, um, you know, with us so we could get you signed up if, you know, if you want to participate. And um, and just like you said, the money, most of the money that we raise goes to research. We fund a lot of, a lot of research. We are the biggest funder of research. Um, and then um, another portion of that money actually goes to help us provide the programs and services that we have in the area that are free to um, everyone. Well, I'm sorry to have brought up something that started a week ago, but um, no, you have other get involved. You have other events too, right? Yeah, uh, you know they have like the uh, the longest day, um, which that occurs in in June, yep. um, June 21st, summer mm-hmm. solstice. Um, it's the longest day, and so caregivers have the longest day. Mm-hmm. Um, so folks can do different activities in their community to raise funds there. Um, yeah, so there's always there's always a way to get involved if you want. And then even above fundraising, you know, we even look for volunteers to help us. Like we need volunteers to help us spread awareness that we exist and the programs and services that we have. Um, or you know, sometimes we have people that may want to become a community educator because they've worked in the field and have some experience with it. So there are tons of ways that, that people can give back and get involved. Um, nursing centers or nursing homes, whatever you want to call it. Um, yes. Has it been your observation that they have a pretty good understanding of this type of um, disease? Yes, absolutely, and and most of them, you know, they have to have so much dementia training a year, and many of the facilities I have actually went into um, and provided education to their staff 
Um, and that's something that we can even, you know, continue to do, even though I can't go in person, but I can do a Zoom program, you know, for their staff. So we are available to do that. And, and most of our area uh, nursing facilities take advantage of that. I, I'm, we've covered a lot of area and done it well, I think. Um, but talk about COVID. Um, you know, it's affected everybody in some manner or other. Um, yes. How has it affected what you folks do and also what your patients must do? Right. So, of course, with us, it, it kind of halted all of our, you know, in-person interaction. And so we kind of had to pivot and, you know, start doing everything virtually. So, you know, we have virtual education that we do every day of the week. Um, and it's uh, on Zoom, and you know, if folks um, are interested, they can call that 800 number and we'll get them hooked in. Um, I, I also have a Facebook page for the Southeastern Ohio branch, and I do um, uh, weekly Facebook Live education programs twice a week, so they can just click right on the Facebook page and they can have an education program. Um, we do a uh, memory cafe for uh, caregivers with dementia. We do that every Friday, and that's on Facebook Live. Um, just yesterday, there was a comedy um, improv program on Facebook Live that one of our volunteers wanted to do, and he's a comedian, so yeah. he did that for caregivers. Interesting. Um, so there's, you know, and we still do our um, family care consultations, which is one of my favorite things to do where we meet with families to help them understand the disease, how to get a diagnosis, how to deal with the behaviors, how to get ready legally and financially, and what resources are out there to help you care for the person now and in the future. And of course, we're doing that by phone because we can't you know, mm -hmm. meet in person. Mm -hmm. um, and then with our support groups, of course, those can't be in person now, but we are doing them by phone. And we're also doing some of them by Zoom. Um, and once again, folks can call that 800 number to find out about those. And um, I find that to be very, very helpful, especially now. Um, and, and really what we're finding out with caregivers that, that we reach out to and, and talk with, you know, they, they are feeling desperate right now because, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia caregivers feel isolated anyway. They felt isolated before COVID um, because you just can't get up and go do what you want to do when you want to do it. Um, because you've got to worry about your person with dementia. Do I have somebody to stay with them and are they going to be safe? And, you know, um, and you can't go to church or you can't go to with your friends to McDonald's and have coffee like you used to. So they already felt isolated, but now they really feel isolated right. because of course it's not a good idea to have people coming into their home because typically, you know, most, most folks dealing are older and, uh, COVID would be the last thing they would need to, uh, to deal with and so and all of the adult days that they typically went to to help care for their loved one and different activities you know they've been cut off from that and you know I, I think many of them are feeling very lonely and and when we reach out to talk with those caregivers they are so thankful to have somebody to talk to you know and to uh, to support them and then of course for those that have loved ones in facilities it's terrible um, because that person with dementia doesn't understand why they're not coming to see them anymore. What is, um, and, and maybe this is not a good question, but what is something you'd really love to do that you think would be beneficial to all concerned that 
you have yet to be able to try? Well, one of the things that we were actually getting ready to try before COVID hit, um, we were actually working on um, a Memories at the Museum program, and I was working with um, Ohio University there um, with their museum, and it was going to be for caregivers and the person with dementia. So it was a social engagement opportunity for them to come together and socialize together and enjoy each other's time. Um, and we didn't get to do it because of COVID. So that's still one of my goals, and I want to make that happen because what we find is that the caregiver and the person with dementia, they don't really enjoy each other's company anymore like they used to because that caregiver is focused on caregiving. Yeah. That's all they're consumed with that, and they don't have time to sit and laugh with that person and uh, have an enjoyable opportunity. And so we want to create that for them. And so that's something that's on the top of my list as soon as um, you know we can get COVID to go away or, or get some kind of treatment um, that's definitely what I want to get started Scott have I forgotten anything um, one question I had if I can throw this in here quickly uh, Melissa um, you may have covered this already and I apologize if you have if, if someone let's say they had a stroke um, mm-hmm. a couple years you know, a couple of years ago, could that lead to the onset of dementia or Alzheimer's, either one? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, definitely that they're at a high risk of having vascular, you know, dementia and may already be experiencing some changes that, you know, the family has noticed. And it does increase your risk of developing Alzheimer's disease later on down the road. And we actually have a category called mixed dementia. And so people with mixed dementia, it, it is usually those folks that have vascular dementia, and now they've went on to develop Alzheimer's, so they have more than one dementia going on at the same time. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I've, I've heard of that happening. And, uh, yes. you, you know, you wonder, is it the stroke that's causing this, or is, is it now into the dementia or Alzheimer's stages? Right. It's Well, it, it really is the... the I mean, initially it is the stroke, you know, causing it um, because of, of the damage that's been, you know, that's already been done to the brain. And uh, so as, you know, as further damage occurs and decline occurs, then, that you know, that puts that person at risk of developing, you know, um, Alzheimer's disease. And, and, you know, and they're kind of related because, you know, one of the risk factors for Alzheimer's disease, we talked about, you know, high blood pressure, mm-hmm. high cholesterol, mm-hmm. um, all of those cardiac things. And so we do know that cardiac issues put people at risk um, for developing Alzheimer's disease because most people with cardiac disease have reduced oxygen and blood flow to the brain, which just kind of starts a downhill spiral. Melissa, it's been a pleasure having you today. We've learned a lot, and uh, some of it we knew from our last interview some time ago, but uh, a lot of new stuff, too. Yes, thank you so much. And um, Oh, thank you. Keep us informed, and um, even on our regular announcements, uh, we can uh, encourage people to call your offices, right? Okay, that would be great, yes, because we, that's what we want to do. We want yeah. to help people, and I know there's so many more people out there that we haven't even touched. And we're out of time. A year of service to Southeast Ohio. Okay, bye-bye. PM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H.
is CBS News on the Hour, your home for original reporting. I'm Lisa Matteo. An early morning change to the format of the next presidential debate has the president sounding off. More from CBS's Stephen Portnoy. The debate commission says next Thursday's town hall forum would have the candidates appearing remotely. It's not acceptable to us. President Trump tells Fox Business he wasn't informed in advance and won't participate. That's not what debating's all about. You sit behind a computer and do a debate. It's ridiculous. And then they cut you off whenever they want. Mr. Trump says he believes he's no longer contagious. Only lab tests would prove that. His campaign manager, who's also infected with COVID, says, quote, we'll pass on this sad excuse to bail out Joe Biden and do a rally instead. Former Vice President Joe Biden weighing in on the president's response before boarding a plane to Arizona. So I'm going to follow the commission recommendation. If he goes off and he's going to have a rally, I'll, 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 I don't know what I'll do. Biden will be campaigning in the battleground state with running mate Kamala Harris today. A new study by the International Committee of the Red Cross finds half the people surveyed say the pandemic has negatively affected their mental health. Robert Mardini is the organization's director general. Now is the time to extend investment in mental health and psychosocial support and maintain quality of care and services. A new jobless claims report says 840,000 people filed for unemployment last week. Bankrate.com's Mark Hamrick. New claims appear to have settled into a still historically high pattern, numbering in the 800,000 range since late August. The outlook remains quite concerning for several reasons, although we remain hopeful that the eventual availability of effective and safe vaccines will get us to a better place on a number of fronts. Residents along the Gulf Coast are breaking, bracing for Hurricane Delta, which is expected to make landfall tomorrow. CBS's David Bernal is in southern Louisiana. People filled sandbags Wednesday as they prepared to hunker down. Just six weeks after Hurricane Laura ripped through this area as a Category 4 hurricane. For us to actually have to go through this and witness this again, I mean, it's breathtaking. Jasmine Jack lost her Lake Charles home to Laura. That city was devastated by the hurricane. And its residents are still digging out of the wreckage. New Orleans is under a state of emergency. American poet Louise Glick has won the 2020 Nobel Prize in Literature. Matt's mom is the permanent secretary of the Swedish Academy. For her unmistakable poetic voice that with austere beauty makes individual existence universal. Luck is a professor of English at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. She won the Pulitzer Prize in 1993. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. Hey, it's Dana Cortez. DJ Automatic, Anthony A. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal in care and home insurance, and State Farm agents are ready to help with personalized service so you can customize your insurance. I've been using State Farm for years. I love them. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, and file a claim with the State Farm mobile app. And it's a great price with even greater service. So when you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is time that matters. A window of time to help protect the ones you love. Your preteen benefits from staying up to date with their well visits. This is your window of protection. Schedule their well visit now. Brought to you by Merck. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green! 
time-honored children's program is tackling a serious modern-day issue. Sesame Street is planning a special program on racism. It's called The Power of We, and it will air next week. It will define racism for young viewers and show how it can be hurtful. And it will explain to kids how to call it out when it's spotted. In one song, Elmo is asked, How would you feel if I said I don't like you because I don't like the color red? There are some celebrity guests, including Hamilton star Christopher Jackson. And in another sign of the times, there is a lot of mask wearing. Steve Kathan, CBS News. So the Lakers will pay tribute to Kobe Bryant in Game 5 of the NBA Finals by wearing a 